It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. Hello, I'm Robert Pallas, and you're listening to Gut Talks. Double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. I'm Maria, and welcome to Season 3 of Gut Talks, Double G, U, double T, a podcast about business, design, and gut feelings. We release a new episode every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And this is the new twist of Season 3. I started Gut Talks a couple of years ago to educate, spread some karma on the board, connect, reconnect, or learn from awesome entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors. I feel we're growing by the day, thanks to your feedback and everyone who's been on the show. By the way, there are no sponsors, but a like, a share, a comment, and hitting the subscribe button would mean a lot. Now let's get started. Robert Pallas is a coder and product guy at heart. He takes us back to Estonia, the land of multiple breakthrough innovations. He helps early stage and growth stage companies with digital product development and tech leadership through the company he co-founded, DevTailor. He has a keen interest in blockchain technology and AI, which he lives and breathes. And he's also building his personal brand on LinkedIn primarily. Robert's also a diver and we get to know a bit more about this passion. So I want to give a big shout out to Janos Stern on this podcast, who's yet to come to Gut Talks. And thanks for referring, Robert. So let's get started. Thank you for being on Gut Talks, by the way, Robert. And I want to give a live shout out as we're recording to Janos Stern, who's your the co-founder of Death Taylor, who actually, I, I asked him to come to Gut Talks. Actually, we spoke about it a few months ago. Then I asked him again. He said, I think you should talk to Robert. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, then. And we obviously met a few years ago, I think. And you were so into blockchain. Now you're still into blockchain, obviously, and AI. And I think that was the trigger because you guys are working on a cool project for the government. So I'm just following on Callum's episode where we talk about how Estonia is innovative and doing lots of things in the digital space with the government supporting this and like creating this trend. You're working on something like that, but we're not just going to talk about this. We're going to talk about other things as well. So how are you, first of all? I'm, I'm great. Thank you, Maria. And thank you for having me. And uh, for Jano, for connecting people at the yes. right time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, the right time because you're like in the midst of this project. But before we get started, I was just scrolling a bit through your LinkedIn also. And I saw that you're into free diving. First of all, just can you say what is free diving for those who are not so sure? And then what is it that got you into this? <laughs> so free diving is a water sport where you go under the water on one breath meaning that you don't use any diving equipment like scuba divers. And for us, uh, it can be both in the pool, which uh, is then uh, measured by time or distance, or then in the open water like ocean or lakes, where you go as deep as possible. We are followed by a rope, which is uh, pre-marked, and you pre-assign the depth that you're going to. You get to the target, you turn around and swim back up. How I got started was uh, traveling. In my first trip to the Philippines, I remember walking past a diving shop and uh, they had a video running 
with someone uh, going down to some crazy depths. And I was thinking that uh, I can't do it because my ears will start hurting due to the pressure. I had been on the four meter uh, depth in the pool, but that would be my limit. I went back home uh, that day to my hotel and uh, YouTube came to help. Uh, I checked some diving videos and luckily YouTube out of play gave me uh, like a tutorial of what to do to equalize pressure in in the ears and few days later had the chance to sign up for a course and, uh, five, now that's that was five years ago and you never stopped like that's what you do every year or so yeah i'm uh, training training for competitions nowadays and uh, most of uh, family travel is uh, designed to have <laughs> diving opportunities but the rest of the family doesn't mind because the places that have uh, diving are otherwise pretty cool spots to visit as well uh, for example cyprus has really good diving then the philippines bali lots of great places to go anyway to spend time next to the sea so question so you're from estonia and obviously it's not that you swim every day right but you dive in like cold water right so is this what somehow triggered you into exploring free diving being in the sun i'm just gonna take back this question a bit to who was Robert growing up? How is this free diving coming into play somehow in your subconscious? Mm, good question. As a youngster, I was into triathlon. So uh, water was always a big part of uh, my upbringing. I used to swim five times a week in the pool. And uh, I was generally very comfortable with water. A lot of our family activities when I was a kid were related to triathlon camps, triathlon competitions. They were almost always next to a lake. So kids, uh, before even they competed, we were just swimming and jumping around. So that's the, that's the background. Estonia, of course, is a slightly colder place to dive. So the diving season uh, is generally shorter and uh, our access to depth is also very limited because the Estonia's deepest lake is 38 meters and uh, anywhere else in the world you can you can find deeper depths uh, with much more uh, easier uh, access. So what was your maximum like? today like what did you start with and where did you get to i started with pretty comfortable 16 meters but that was the limit of the like the beginner course so they didn't allow me to go further i don't know what would have been like the, the immediate access but today uh, my record is 66 uh, which i did in croatia uh, last year and uh, so you train multiple times a year i guess right yeah w whenever possible and meanwhile i try to keep fit in the pool okay or in the shower <laughs> <laughs> so growing up you were into triathlons and you were into coding also you started coding at the age of 13. these two things Funnily enough, are slightly related since as a kid, I think I started doing my math home assignments in uh, Python. I realized that why spend 10 minutes doing a task when you can spend 20 minutes trying to automate it Okay. and wrote some scripts to uh, submit the homework assignments for me. But later on, uh, I got interested in writing text-based game, which was a triathlon game for my friends. And to do that, I had to learn some uh, new methods and web programming. I actually took uh, like an open source online uh, forum and I rewrote it to be a triathlon game. Uh, and my best days, I had like 20 active users in, in the end of 90s. And I think total registration count cut to 100 and then uh, my server couldn't handle it because my code wasn't optimized. <laughs> and th th that was the days before any of the 
relational databases. So I, I didn't know SQL or anything like that. Everything was saved in the text files and I had my own uh, algorithms how to store data. Okay, so that's gonna take us to, you know, a bit uh, the core of this uh, podcast where we're talking about, you know, AI blockchain, you know, development, because it's not just about the trend and the boss, there's uh, lots of work and thought and processes and logic to be behind the scenes. But I'm just curious about how did you also get started with coding? Because I'm going to just um, jump into this. We, I said we did an episode with Callum Cameron talking about an Australian in Estonia and how Estonia is building like the digital society. And we did one with Karin Kunapas and building the um, or co-directing the code, uh, code UV school of coding in Estonia when lots of people and kids, like you're a kid, right? A teenager, code already. So how did you get into that yourself? I think I was in the beginning definitely self-taught. I didn't have any mentors and the online resources were much more limited back then. Yeah. But uh, it's it was maybe even a blessing because nowadays, if I look at the landscape, you have to choose from so many directions where, where you could go and the complexity of software has grown significantly. So back then you only had to maybe make a choice between two or three different programming languages. And there was maybe only one or two different sources of knowledge that you would uh, tackle and you, you would you would just trust those uh, resources. And after that, it's trial and error anyway. And your interest was you, you just liked computers or was it linked also? Because did you grow up also like Karen during uh, the Soviet Union? I'm born in the Soviet Union, yeah. And actually yesterday is Estonian uh, Re-Independence Day that was the end of Soviet Union and the start of rebirth of Estonian Republic, so to say. Okay. Uh, I would guess that uh, possibly, but I haven't put too much thought into it. I think I'm just a creative person and at the same time, I'm not artsy. So for me, the creative output would be writing software because okay. like, like, I'm, I'm colorblind. But I'm mat mathematically quite gifted, so it's it's just logical that I I found coding enjoyable uh, quite quickly, and uh, also being able to create stuff that other people use. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut talks. This is the end of this episode of this segment with Robert Palace. Thanks for listening, and watch out for the next one. Gut talks.